All right, we're back in Acts 2 this evening. Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter number 2. And um, I had several messages on my heart. In fact, uh, I was on the, uh, Brother Chad Watson and I have been uh, working on a message together. I'm guessing he's preaching it tonight. As much time as we spent on it this afternoon, I, I'm going to hang on to it and work on it later. Uh, great, great passage of scripture out of Judges. Uh, that I already had felt led of the Lord to pick back up with our series here on this prototype of the local church. I don't know about you, but I have enjoyed looking at this passage of Scripture and being reminded again of what God had in mind when he unveiled the, the, the local church in Acts chapter number 2. The world had never seen anything like it, ever. There's nothing that can compare to the New Testament local church when it's working right, when it's filled with the Holy Spirit, doing what God left it here to do, there's nothing that can compare. And in Acts 2, when he empowered the church, um, I don't have any intentions on getting into a debate with anybody. I have uh, a sore subject with a lot of people. When the church started, um, a lot of people says it started in Acts 2. That's just when the church was empowered Deal with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the, way I, the way I look at it is that the church was uh, much like a baby is being developed within the womb of the mother for nine months, and then he's born and presented to the world. That's how I look at it. Now, you say, well, I don't feel that way about it. Well, it don't make a whole lot of difference. When we get to heaven a million years from now, it won't matter. But I believe the church was filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit of God in Acts chapter number 2. Amen. And when they were presented to the world, when God pulled the sheet off, like, like they do those exotic cars at those car shows, and everybody's taking pictures, and all the lights are shining on it. When God unveiled the local church in Acts chapter number 2, the world had never seen anything like it. In fact, there's multiple times in Acts 2 where you find that the people were amazed. They were in amazement. They were all amazed, verse 7, and they marveled. And they were amazed again in verse number 12. And there was a lot of shock. There was a lot of, there was a, a, lot of a stir. Josh, turn me, turn me down up here just a smidgen. I've got a ring in my monitors, and they weren't loud enough a while ago. Now they're just a little bit too loud. But the, the church in Acts chapter number 2, I believe, is a template for us to look at. I believe that we can glean things from this first church and understand that this is the way God intended for the church to be. And I've said it multiple times since we started this series, but I believe we've come a long way from the way God intended the church to be. I mean, it's become now so, so commercialized. It's become, uh, it's, I don't know, it's just advertising and marketing and and. It's like you've got this hierarchy and you've got all these different moving parts and a lot of it I don't think God ever really intended for that to be the emphasis and the thrust of the church, but it's become a business. In fact, many, many uh, so-called pastors, I say so-called, I use that word loosely, some cases, they are CEOs of their church. Joel Osteen is the CEO of his church. It's a business. He's the chief executive officer. And I'm sure they have to have a Brinks truck to haul the offering out of there every Sunday. And uh, it's a business. It's a very, for some people, a very lucrative business. 
the money they spend on their on their television programs and whatnot. It's it's uh, I'm going to get distracted here if I'm not careful. I just think I think the early church uh, could teach us a lot. I really do, and that's been my desire. The older I get, the longer I'm in ministry. I'm not interested in getting bigger. I'm interested in becoming more biblical. And if we grow in that process, then great, fine, wonderful. If not, I'm okay with that too. But I want to be biblical. If I had to choose between being big or biblical, I'd rather be biblical. By the way, the early church was biblical, and God let them get big. In fact, they got so big, he had to scatter them to get them to fulfill the Great Commission. They were enjoying the fellowship. They were enjoying that going from bread, house to house and breaking bread. And in just a few short weeks, the church exploded and was running thousands and thousands of people and kind of wadded up right there in Jerusalem. And God said, I thought I told you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And as we saw this morning in chapter 11, because of that scattering, then that started happening. Those churches began to be started around Asia Minor and on out, and people got saved. But I really believe we can learn some things about this early church. And I won't recap, but this is, uh, this is part seven of the series. We've still got a couple more messages in this series. But tonight, I want to look in Acts chapter number two at verse number 45. And the Bible says they sold uh, their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. We have already looked from verse 41, 42, 43, and 44, but this evening we're going to look at verse 45 and a couple other verses. I want to preach on this. God's prototype of the local church was a generous church. It was a church that understood what it meant to love each other and to be generous in that love and in the demonstration of that love. All right, is everybody, is, is everybody good for a good message on generosity right here after Christmas? Lord, we ask you now, if you would, to bless the preaching of your word. I pray that you would bring things to our remembrance, teach us some things, and may we, Lord, as a church, uh, understand what it means to be generous, to be a giving church, to be a liberal church in our giving. Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it throughout this message. Generosity is a characteristic of true Christianity. True Christianity. God set the ultimate example when he sent his son to die on the cross. And our family was praying Christmas morning before we opened the presents. And I said this, I said something along these lines. I said, I've got three sons. I can't see that I would give any of the three of them for the salvation of the world. God had one son and he gave him his only begotten son. And he taught us what it meant to give from a heart of love and a heart of compassion for other people, and he set the ultimate example, obviously. Then Jesus set an example uh, by living a life of selfless sacrifice in his pursuit of the will of God, to see the work of God move forward. But this evening, I've just got three simple points I wanna give you, and you can write these down. Number one, we notice the example of the early church in this area of generosity. In these verses that we're reading tonight, we get a glimpse into the mindset of the early church when it came to their personal assets and their personal belongings. They were more concerned with helping each other than they were with helping themselves. Now, if y'all act like y'all are enjoying this, it'll go a lot faster. If y'all sit there real quiet and real still, I may have to say everything two or three times. 
in our text here, the early church set an amazing example of what it means to be a caring and a generous giving church. Now let me just get this right out off, let me get this out of the way before we even go any further because there may be somebody sitting here and you're already saying, well, this message is not for me because I, I tithe. This, we're not talking about tithing. What we're going to preach about tonight has nothing to do with tithing. That's a given. What we're going to look at tonight is we're going to look at above and beyond. We're going to look at a group of people that loved one another so much that they made each other's financial burdens their burden. And throughout the book of Acts, we see this characteristic, and it's consistent throughout, not just the book of Acts, but it's consistent throughout the entire New Testament, multiple places where we see the early church set an example of generosity. Notice our text, verse number 45. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. They went through their closets. If there was somebody in their church that didn't have a clothes, they went through their closets and they made sure they had clothes. If there was somebody in the church that didn't have a, a, a stove, they went through their garage or their shed and they, they got them a stove. They went through their personal belongings and they, they gave it to people that didn't have. Right. Let me say this too. Let me get this out of the way. Some of y'all are clenching on me. I can see it from here. You're clenching. You say, well, uh, well look, at, look, at chapter, look at chapter four. All right, let's, let's take it up a notch. This wasn't a one and done, by the way. This was, a, like I said, this was the nature of the early church. This was a characteristic of the early church. This was God's prototype of the local church. And notice chapter four, verse number 32. Are you there? And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the price of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Is everybody still with me? Y'all didn't fall off the pew yet, did you? And Joseph, verse 36, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite. We preached about Barnabas this morning, did we not? And of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. What an example. <laughs> I just love looking at y'all's faces when I preach about this kind of stuff. And you can cover it up with your mask. I can still, still see you gritting your teeth behind that mask. You say, preacher, what's the difference in this right here and socialism? Oh, there's a big difference. The difference is these people were doing it voluntarily. Socialism is when your government comes and says, oh, you need to give that to so-and-so. And I'm a thousand percent against that. I'm a thousand percent against taking from the people that have to give to the people that won't work for it. But that's not what we're talking about here. Is everybody okay? I'm not a socialist. I'm a capitalist. All right? I have never worked for a poor person. 
They've never hired me. They've never paid me. Rich people's always hired me. Amen. I learned a long time ago, if you want to make money, work for somebody that's got money. That's, right. Amen. that's deep, ain't it? That's real deep right there. You get rid of all the people that's got money and we're going to all starve to death. We're not preaching socialism this evening. I'm not preaching communism, all right? We're talking about a church full of people that was so in love with Jesus and each other that they didn't worry about what they had. They was just willing to share it because they wanted to make sure everybody was seen about. That's generosity. And God's way works a lot better than socialism anyway. The Bible's very clear. If you don't work, you don't eat. I've said it before. If you don't want to work, you can starve to death for all I care. Won't bother me a bit. I got a problem with people that won't work that's able-bodied and they got good health and they, they'd rather lay on the couch and watch television all day so that the people that are out working and killing themselves has to pay their bills and theirs too. I got a problem with that. I'm not preaching socialism. I'm preaching generosity. I'm preaching giving to people because you want to, because you love them, not because you got a gun to your head. I wanted to get that out of the way so y'all could enjoy the rest of the message. These countries that have tried socialism, it don't work. It doesn't work. Venezuela, it doesn't work. Go over there, look. Go to Cuba. I was looking up, uh, I was looking up uh, on the news yesterday. I was reading. They've got recipes now. The government's giving everybody about ways to prepare rat. Yeah, that's what socialism would do for you. You'd be eating rats. Well, if we was to eat rats around here, we'd all be 500 pounds, wouldn't we? <laughs> Lord of mercy, they got some big rats in this town. My soul. I don't care nothing about eating rats. I don't care anything about standing in a soup line. It wasn't Ronald Reagan said the, 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 some of the most fearful words spoken by man was, I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. Some of y'all still ain't figured this out through this whole coronavirus thing, all these mask mandates and all this social distancing and all that. Your government does not care about you that much. <laughs> Trust me. They don't care about you that much. They're not trying to keep you healthy. They're trying to control you. Some of y'all ain't figured that out yet. The example, where are we at? Let me get back in my, I'm trying to preach. Y'all leave me alone. Acts chapter 11. Y'all are hard to preach to. I'm up here preaching. Y'all distracting me with all this stuff. Acts 11, look at it. We didn't get to it this morning. It was at the end of chapter number 11. We stopped at verse 26, but look at verse 27 of Acts 11. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. What about that? Now, we're not even in Acts 2 anymore. We're way over here in Antioch. We're all the way over in chapter number 11. But that's a characteristic of the early church was that they cared about the needs of their brethren. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. I know I'm straight away from Acts 2. We'll get back to Acts 2 in a minute. But the, the precedent that was set in Acts 2 
As I said, it was a consistent theme throughout the entire New Testament. And these churches set an example for us to follow in the area of generosity. Look at Acts, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. By the way, this is the only time in the Bible where you see God speaking positive about liberals. Amen. It's in the area of giving. God, they said they, they abounded in the riches of their liberality for their power. I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. What about that? What about that? They gave first themselves to the Lord and then they had no problem giving to help other people. I thought as I was just reading over in Acts chapter number four, I didn't, I didn't notice this earlier this afternoon, but it just jumped off the page at me in, uh, in Acts chapter number four that Barnabas had land and sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. That might have been God's way of uh, maybe him pulling up a few tent pegs so it would be easier for him to go to Antioch a little bit later on. What about that? He might have stayed in Antioch for a year because he didn't have any land to go back to in Jerusalem. Mm, mm, what about that? And I think it's interesting that a man that had so much love and compassion for people that he was willing to sell his land and bring the money and lay it at the apostles' feet and distribute it among the people in the church that didn't have, no wonder God opened doors to use Barnabas in unbelievable ways. He had a heart for people. I'm going to get me a tape recorder. It's got amen on it. And I can just hit it and have a few amens right here and then pause it when it gets quiet and then I can, I can, I can amen myself. I could go down there and do it, but then I'd be wore out. They set an example. Make no mistake. The early church set a tremendous example in the area of generosity. We're not talking about giving somebody $5. We're talking about selling houses and land and bringing the money and laying it at the apostles' feet and say, here, give it to whoever needs it. That's pretty strong. If you get to the next chapter, Ananias and Sapphira wanted to get in on it, but they, was, they lied. It's interesting to me, this whole story has never made any sense to me. Ananias and Sapphira, nobody forced them to sell their property. Nobody would have got mad at them if they had said, hey, we sold our property for $10,000 and we want to give $5,000 of it to the church. Nobody, God wouldn't have killed them. He didn't kill them because they kept some back. He killed them because they lied about it. Right, right. And want everybody to think that that's what they were doing when they really wasn't. Right. Amen. It's all voluntary. Yeah. Fall in love with Jesus, fall in love with one another. It's not that big of a deal. But in our day and age, I'm afraid many of us have gotten a little bit more stingy and selfish than God ever intended yes, sir. for us to be. We've got stuff stocked up and piled up in boxes and, and closets and, and storage bins, storage buildings and attics and sheds. We don't even know what we've got. Well, I guess I'll just keep on preaching. I feel like I'm looking at a bunch of stumps. 
We see their example. Number two, we see their exhortation. The exhortation throughout the scripture is over and over and over and over again. God deliberately put it in here that the early church, the first church, the, the, uh, the, the, the prototype, if you will, was a church of, that was generous, that was giving, that cared about one another, and took care of one another, made sure one another was seen about. And we see the exhortation. I just did a quick study. The word charity is found in the scripture no less than 25 times. The word charity in the Greek means agape, which is love in action or in deed. And that word literally means brotherly love, benevolence, and goodwill. This is not telling somebody I love you. This is showing it. This is proving it. There's so much emphasis placed on charity that Paul wrote an entire chapter on it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When he closes out the chapter and so says there's faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Right. What a statement. Yeah. Faith. Charity is greater than faith. Come on. That's pretty strong. Come on now. When you say charity is stronger than faith, I might say, say, see saying charity is stronger than hope. But ch- faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. That's pretty strong. I think there's a little bit in the Bible about charity, loving and action. Again, I'm reminding you this generosity wasn't even considered, uh, considering their giving of their tithes. Support, we support missionaries. I suppose that could be a part of it. The tithe, the tithe is, is, is the Lord's. Everything we give above that is above the tithe. This was a lifestyle of sharing their blessings with those that simply did not have. This was a generosity that was just demonstrated out of love and compassion for one another. 1 John chapter number 3, notice what John said. 1 John 3 verse number 16 down through verse number 18. Put your seatbelt on. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We know he loved us because he laid his life down for us. He didn't just say, I love you. He demonstrated it. For God so loved the world that he gave. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Say, preacher, are you telling me that I ought, to, I ought to go through my closet, go through my garage, and if I've got a brother or sister that in need, I ought to give it to them? He said in 1 John 3, verse number, uh, verse number 16, if need be, you ought to lay your life down for them. Is that not what Jesus did for us? Did he not say love one another as I have loved you? That means if somebody's trying to shoot me, y'all ought to get in front of me and and protect me. (laughs) Amen. That's what that means. Verse 17, but whoso hath this world's good, and I'd get in front of you if somebody was trying to shoot you too. I would. I know you don't believe that, but I would. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need. Here we go. And shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him. Let's look at that again. 1 John 3, 17. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him. Verse 18. My little children, let us love not in word, neither in tongue, 
but in deed and in truth. How's that for exhortation? He says if you've got something and somebody you know has a need and you don't help them with it, he said, how dwelleth the love of God in you? Galatians chapter number six. There are so many verses I struggle to know which ones to leave out. Galatians six, verse number seven, be not deceived. God's not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Right now you may have. And somebody next to you may not have. And you say, I'm not going to help them. One day you might be the one that don't have. The law of the boomerang. What goes around, comes around. You reap what you sow. Amen. The Bible says, Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. These are some good verses. As often as you have the opportunity. Here's the thing. Sometimes you've got to look for the opportunity. Right. Amen. It's one thing to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, thank you for all of your blessings on me. And not look around and see if there's somebody you maybe could share them with. Right. Amen. Out of the goodness of your heart, just, just being a conduit, passing along. I tell you, I, I, God's allowed me and my family to be a channel. He pours in and we pour out. It's just amazing. I, I'm, a, I'm an amazement at what God does. And I learned this as a little, I learned this as a missionary's kid. I learned you can't outgive God. And I'm not just talking about, we're not just talking about tangible things. I'm not just talking about money. I'm not just talking about personal things. And all the verses we refer to talks about things and possessions. But I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes you can invest in your time. Sometimes you can go by, sit down with somebody and just spend some time with them. It means all the world. You say, I'm too busy. Then you're too busy. You're too busy to stop in on senior saint or shut in, sit and chat for a while, visit and be, some, be, be a blessing, be an encouragement. Your time, your talents. Went by to see one of our widows yesterday Swung in there and just sat down and talked for a little while. Her front door was not working very well. She had it propped up, had something propped up to keep it shut and had ropes around it. And I said, we're going to come back over here, fix this door for you. Plan on doing that tomorrow. All I'm saying is sometimes somebody has a need and you've got the wherewithal to meet that need. It might be your treasures. It might be your time. It might be your talents. Would you want somebody to do it for you? Huh? Generosity. I'm trying to help the church tonight. If we're not careful, we'll be so self-centered, get so focused on all the stuff that we need, all the stuff that we, that we want, and all the stuff that we wish somebody would do for us that we fail to look around and see if there's somebody else that maybe we could do something for. If God's given you a talent, and a gift, you could use that to be a blessing to people. 
Amen. I'm not talking about people in the church taking advantage of one another. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about you being a blessing. Being a blessing. It's going to get weird in here. I can feel it. I've just always had this weird thing about charging somebody in my church family for me doing something for them. If I can do it for them, I'll do it for them. I don't want their money. Just because it can make money, just because I could have gotten money for it, don't mean I need to charge. Do it for nothing. I ain't talking about rebuilding somebody's engine, but I mean just because you're a mechanic don't mean you got to charge everybody every time you help them with their car. That might be a gift God gave you to use to be a blessing to people. I can tell you if I charged for all the carpentry I've done in the last 25 years, I'd be a rich man. I've done about as much for free as I've been paid for. Trust me, God paid me. God's paid me. I've enjoyed it. It's a blessing to be able to do something, be, be there for somebody. And, maybe, and there's times when I really feel guilty that maybe I should do more. All I'm saying tonight is when I was studying this passage of Scripture, I got to verse number 45. I couldn't very well skip it, could I? It's in there, ain't it? Yeah. Number three, we see the example, we see the exhortation, and we see the expectation. One thing I love about the Word of God, God knows how to properly motivate right. us to do right. Yes, sir. And you want to know what the motivation is to give? Don't, don't get mad at me now. Don't, don't, don't. This is the biblical motivation to give, to get. <laughs> Luke 6, 38, Jesus said, Give and it shall be given unto you. Is that not what he said? He said, give. And then he spent the rest of the verse telling about how much he was going to get back. That's right. Amen. It says, give. That's it, give. Watch this. And it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. The whole rest of that verse was talking about what you're going to get back if yes. you'll just give. Yes, sir. Right. I don't believe we ought to give to get. God did. Right. Yep. He said, in fact... He said, bring you all the tithes to the storehouse. There may be meat in my house. He says, and prove me now. If I want to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there's not room enough to receive it. Now, that was his idea to motivate us to give to get. That's not my idea. That's his. And I'm perfectly fine with it. Here's why God does that. Because if you are a giver and you are generous, the more he gives you, the more you'll give out. You will be an endless conduit. You'll be an endless dispenser of God's blessings. If you will give, God will just keep giving so you can keep giving. And the more you give, the more you'll get to give. Give and it shall be given unto you. You'll say, man, I sure ought to give that person $5. You'll go ahead and give them $5. God will give you 20 And now you can give five people. Four people, ten people. You'll just, I mean, it's amazing. God will just keep giving it and keep giving it and you'll turn around one day and you won't even believe how much God lets you give. He gives to people that give. He gives to people that will be a channel. Second Corinthians chapter number six. But I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he hath purposed in his heart, so let him give 
not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Look it up when you get home. The word cheerful literally means hilarious. Hilarious. This is a person that has figured out that the more you give, the more you get. <laughs> they have figured it out. And you're not taking $5 out of your wallet and now you're out $5 or you're not out $100. What you just did was made room for all the rest of that money God's fixing to put in its place. I'm telling you the truth. I've heard it said and I've said it. But some of y'all hadn't quite figured it out. You cannot outgive God. I double dog dare you to try. I dare you to try. When God finds a child of his that grasps the concept of generosity and giving and they start practicing it, you can mark it down. God says, all right, I'm going to start putting in there. I'm, I'm going to start investing in them. Right. He'll give a whole lot more through you than he will give to you. We've got missions conference coming up. I think many in our church, most of our church, I think it'd be safe to say, has grasped the concept of consistent, faithful missions giving. There might be a few of y'all in here that had not figured it out yet. I'm going to tell you right now, you need to get in on that. That is, that is an investment program that has results and benefits and rewards that are out of this world. And they're pretty good on this side, too. I'm talking about being a part of financing the evangelization of the world. Now, you tell me when God finds somebody that has a passion for world missions and gives to missionaries and church planning around the world, you tell me God's going to let that person go broke. I don't think so. Absolutely not. Well, you're giving it back to God, are you not? If I thought every time I gave you something, Stuart, you was going to give it back to me, I'd probably give you a whole lot more. When you give it back to God, God's just going to keep pouring it on. Where are we at? 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. But I say this, He that soweth sparingly, let him also reap sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully, and more you put in, more you get out. Imagine getting to, imagine getting to heaven. Here comes, here comes a little woman from, from Africa and walks up to you and she says, are you a member of Calvary Baptist Church in Dundalk? Absolutely, ma'am, I sure was. Well, I just want to thank you because you gave. That missionary, he came over there and won me and my family to God. Imagine having to say, because you're in heaven, you can't lie. Imagine having to say, ma'am, I'm so sorry, you've got to go talk to some other church member because I didn't give that missionary anything. I'm still glad you're here, but I didn't have a part in it. Or be able to look at that woman and know that she's there because you sacrificially gave above and beyond. Because we, we can't see we got a mission map back there, and the whole time I've been preaching, missionary families, their pictures are rotating up on the screen. And you can go over there and touch their picture and read their prayer letter. And we've got money going all over the world every month. 
and we don't get to see with our eyes what's happening with it. But one day we will. Oh yeah, I'm given to get. And when you get over the book of Revelation, Brother Daniel, and you got all those people standing around the throne of God from every tribe and every tongue and every kindred and every nation, guess how they got there? People giving the missions. Ain't that a blessing? Let me keep reading. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or over necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. God wants us to abound in the area of giving. Well, I gave some money this year. Praise the Lord. Won't you give some more this year? Why don't you up it a little bit? Every year we give a contribution report to everybody that wants one. By the way, your tithing envelopes are back there on the back table. If you signed up for them and your name's on the box, those are yours. Make sure you get those when you go out of here tonight. But every year, at the end of the year, we give everybody a contribution report. You can go and look at your giving. And it doesn't take too long with a calculator to figure out if you're giving. Amen. Above and beyond. And I'm not just talking about in the offering plate. I'm just talking about each and every day. Seeing somebody. Seeing somebody. Helping somebody. The early church was a generous church. I wonder tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed. I wonder how generous are you with your things? How generous are you with your time? How generous are you with your talents? The early church took care of one another. How do you measure up to their example of generosity? We've got a baptism here in just a minute, so you've got time to slip out of your seat right now and join these that are in the altar. Did God speak to your heart? Did God prick your heart or speak to you throughout the course of this message? look in his beautiful face I wish I had given him more Jesus says that as you've done unto the least of these you've done it unto me you realize when God allows you to be a channel and a conduit and share with other people what God has blessed you with you are giving it to the Lord we're closing out a year going into a new year might be good to get an altar say Lord help me this year to be more compassionate help me to notice opportunities to give to, to care 